Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. So we're going to continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Made One in Christ. Can you say it with me? Made One in Christ. You can do it better than that. Let's do it again. Made Amazing. Okay. So the letter to the Ephesians stands in relation to the rest of Paul's letters, rather like the London Eye. So you're thinking maybe, why is the London Eye there? Um, There is a theme which Steve started off. And it's basically based on N.T. Wright, the Pope that he, sh- um, that he said. N.T. Wright, for those that don't know, he's a theologian, a British theologian. So, the letter to the Ephesians stands in relation to the rest of Paul's letters, rather like the London Eye. As the wheel turns, you get a bird's eye view of one theme after another. God, the world, Jesus, the church, the means of salvation... Christian behavior, marriage, family, and spiritual warfare. So, next slide. Um, Today, the focus is going to be on the power that raised Christ from the dead. So, we'll be looking at Ephesians, as you already know. Ephesians 1, verses 6 to 7, verses 15 to 21. And a particular emphasis on verses 18 to 20. Really, 18 to 19. All right. So, just a pre-introduction. Um, when I think of Ephesians, I'm reminded of Ephesians 6. So we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood, but against powers. Yeah? And I think there as well, I think we need to realize as well that we're in a battle. Not only are we wrestling or God is wrestling, but the enemy is wrestling against us. And I think this is something the church needs to be re-aware, reawakened to again. Yeah. So um, carrying on, also with Ephesians, I think of the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor, um, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and the seventh one, which sometimes we forget. Praying all manners of prayer. Yeah, sometimes we forget that. I'm also reminded of... um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, which you will see pictured. Um, And yeah, I've read, I came across this book, I'd say about maybe seven years ago. Um, I was going, I went to a bookshop, a Christian bookshop in central London. And I was just flicking through, I saw some books were reduced. So I had a look at this one and I thought, wow, the content here is is quite deep. So yeah, I I thoroughly recommend um, this book. So Just to tell you a little bit about Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a a Welsh evangelical minister at Westminster Chapel, a medical doctor who delivered 232 sermons covering all six chapters of Paul's epistle. Um, And he preached this on Sunday mornings between the year 1954 and 1962. Wow, almost 10 years of preaching the book of Ephesians. So there's a lot of depth there. So I strongly recommend. Um, and he's got a web, there's a website as well, obviously, he's deceased now. 
um, which breaks down pretty much verse by verse. And I was even listen, listening to it earlier this week. There's some depth, there's some revelation there. Uh, I understand um, when um, our church was started, uh, the book of Ephesians was the, was the book that we uh, covered. So yeah, there's, there's some depth here. Um, I just also want to share a quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. So it, it, pertaining to spiritual warfare. There is evident and increasing forgetfulness of what the Apostle Paul teaches here. Indeed, an open denial of, of it, spiritual warfare. It is my belief the modern world, the history of the present century, um, some, of which, some of which can only be understood in terms of the unusual activity of the devil and the principalities and powers of darkness. I make no apology, therefore, for having considered the matter in detail. It is essential for the success, successful living of the Christian life and the prosperity, well-being of the church. So I'm, I'm hoping... You guys are gathering, are tracking with me the importance of spiritual warfare. There's an, there's a, an importance here. Just a, a personal story as well. Um, I first was introduced to, um, to Jesus. I went to like a, a, a Christian service, um, a church, where there was the preaching of the gospel and there was like manifestations. And I'm like, hmm, this is, this is different. This is, this is out there. Um, but it, it did something to me. It made me realize that there is an enemy. Not that it needs to be elaborate so, time, so, so much, um, the manifestations, but something about it made me realize we have a real enemy, yeah? Um, I just wanna play a clip as well, very quickly. Um, this, so this clip is, is Stephen Nicholson, who's from the Vineyard Movement. Um, John Wimber, who's the founder of Vineyard, uh, was a mentor to him. And he basically preaches about hidden war, the hidden war, um, if we're able to play it at all. Tonight I want to, uh, I, I suppose, strike a little bit different note. I want to talk to you about a hidden and I think under-recognized war that's being waged against you. Uh, you have an enemy. And the Bible is very clear that we who follow Jesus have an enemy. Satan and his various powers of darkness hate the church of Jesus. They know that healthy churches are a mortal threat to their kingdom. That's why we love church planting. Uh, we could stop it there. They know that the living church of Jesus is a testament against their... Fantastic. So how many of you would say you've had a deliverance experience or you've had like a spiritual warfare experience? Yeah? Fantastic. Okay, we're on the right track then. Right, so the main introdu introduction... And just a reminder, because obviously we've been preaching about Ephesians. We've been uh, covering this series already. So Paul preached and planted churches in Ephesus, uh, also seen in Acts 19. He wrote Ephesians around 60 AD whilst he was in prison in Rome. Ephesus, a city in Asia Minor, now Turkey, a famous commercial center, a harbor city, 
also known for its temple to the goddess Diana, a proud, rich city filled with witchcraft. Um, I'm also reminded of Acts 19, um, which says, many of those who previously practiced magical arts repented, renounced their practice, and burnt their books. Hence my mention of spiritual warfare at the start. So the recipients living in the region would have, would have been Jew and Gentile, multi-ethnic members of young churches seeking to live out their faith in the midst of a Roman pagan culture. And this happened 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. So Ephesians is the gospel of the church for the sake of the glory of God and the evangelization of the world, which I will touch on a little bit later, a bit about the evangelization. The letter focuses on what God did through the historical work of Jesus Christ and does through his spirit today. Okay, so if we go to the Bible reading. Fantastic. Right, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Hallelujah. Wow. Okay. So one of our first questions is, what is the reason for Paul's prayer? This passage in Ephesians follows Paul's introduction in verses 3 to 14, one of the greatest statements of the Christian faith, which is also referred as spiritual blessings in Christ. So in response to this Christian statement, we have verse 15. For this reason, Paul prays. Why does he pray? So that Ephesus would know the power of God. That Ephesus would know the power of God. Let's personalize it. I, Paul, do not cease to give thanks for you, V61 Battersea, remembering you, Battersea, in my prayers, that you may know the power of God. Yeah. So just a quick aside. Paul prays. Yeah, he gives thanks. Second, he prays for them to know the power. And as I, as I said earlier, one of the pieces of the armor is prayer. So notice he's praying. He's giving thanks. So praying at all times in the spirit with the mind of Christ, with all prayer and supplication. Wow. So for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. So how do you know the power of God? 
faith in the Lord Jesus. He also says about love the saints. Um, but let, we're going to focus more on the faith on, in the Lord Jesus. So faith in the Lord Jesus. Listen, it is possible to be fond of the Lord Jesus, but not have faith in the Lord Jesus. It's very possible to allow Jesus to become the author of your faith, but not the finisher of your faith. Hence, it's plausible to veer away from the Lordship of Jesus. It's faith in the Lord Jesus, not in self, not in self-help books, in Oprah, in Tony Robbins, in education, in being an atheist, agnostic, money, enneagrams, entertainment, AI, food, family traditions, ancestry worship, mother nature, horoscopes, divination, magic, uh, Reiki, but it's faith in the what? In the Lord Jesus. So church, I feel to say this. Do not let your faith in the Lord Jesus wane or diminish or become polluted. Yeah? Why? Christ is the one who died and resurrected for us. We are chosen in him. In him we have redemption through the blood. Wow. In him do I live and have my being. Yes. Hallelujah. A little off tune, but I got the idea earlier on. But it's all good. All glory to God. <laughs> so, what are the major themes of this prayer? Enlightened. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Know the hope. Know the hope of your calling. The power of God, the third one. The immeasurable greatness of his power. So let's break it down a little bit. Okay. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Paul was a man of the law, a persecutor of the Christian faith. But it wasn't until he was enlightened that he be began his own faith in the Lord Jesus. Acts 9 reads Paul's, uh, Acts 9 is where Paul's conversion story uh, is. So Ananias, an enlightened one, a Damascus disciple, was sent by the Lord to go and pray for Paul. Wow. So there's an, an evangelistic edge to enlightenment. You become a disciple of Jesus, obviously, right? And you disciple others. Okay. So let's keep tracking with me. Paul, after being enlightened, preached the risen Christ, planted churches, wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He wrote Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, 1 and 2nd Thessalonians, Philemon, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 and 2nd Timothy, and Titus. This was a man that was enlightened. Wow. So enlightenment is not just about us. It's about who God wants us to be sent to. Let me say that again. Enlightenment is not just about us. It's about who God wants us to be sent to. Wow. Amen, amen. I just want you to know as well that there is a counterfeit enlightenment, right? So it can have the appearance of enlightenment, but... It's enlightenment by another source, by a different source, by something else. We've got the example of the slave girl in Acts 16 to 17. 
And it's interesting, as Paul and Silas were about to pray, yeah, that was one of the weapons, prayer, praying. As they were about to pray, she's there proclaiming, oh my gosh, these are the men of God. And she kept doing it and doing it and doing it. These are the men of God. These are the men of God. And one would think, wow, this woman's really discerning. But it was a different spirit. It was a different spirit to the point where uh, Paul, Paul had cast out that spirit, right? And this woman was uh, bringing a lot of money to her owners. Yeah, so her divination, uh, her horoscopes were accurate. It was popular. And you see there another form of evangelism as well. But obviously it's demonic. It's a counterfeit. Yeah, just, just to bring that in there. Okay, where am I? So yeah, in both instances, in both Paul and uh, the slave girl, obviously one instance is God-centered with Paul, the enlightenment. The other one is obviously demonic, the slave girl. So you just see a difference there. Both enlightened, but two different sources. All right. So the second one, the second theme that I see is know the hope. Can you say it with me? Know the hope. So to know signifies to take in knowledge, to come to know, to understand more fully. To know also speaks of intimacy, of union between a man and a woman. Abram knew Sarah, right? In the sexual context, obviously. Um, but that, to me, just talks of intimacy. My sheep, what? They what? Know my voice. So there's a recognition there. There's an identifying with the Lord. Yeah? There's a relationship. Yeah? Paul knew the hope. To know the hope is also faith-inducing. To know causes endurance in the face of adversity. Paul was in prison when he wrote this epistle. He's qualified to write this. He was in prison. And this wasn't the first time he was in prison. He and Silas, and Silas were cast in prison when Paul cast out that spirit of divination from that girl. And there's other instances. Joseph, the dreamer, was imprisoned, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Paul's arrests were a, a result of his being faithful to God's call. But despite the imprisonment, he had intimacy with God. He knew the hope. Church, know the hope of your calling. Let me say over this side. Know the hope of your calling. Some of you are going through some stuff. Have gone through some stuff. Some depression. Some anxiety. Feeling overwhelmed. I've gone through losses. Maybe you've lost a parent. You're feeling low. But I want to say to you, I, I want to charge you. Know the hope of your calling. Some of you could be trusting for stuff that's not happening. Maybe you're trusting for salvation for loved ones. Know the hope of your calling. Know the hope. Let that marinate just for a little bit. Let that marinate. Know the hope. Know the hope. Know the hope. Right, now we're getting to the power of God. Come on. The power of God, right. So, 
power of God. Power signifies might, ability, strength to exercise authority. We have power over sin. We have power over false enlightenment. We have power to endure, power to withstand shame, power uh, to overcome ridicule, persecution, power to know Christ, power to see others experience the love of God. We need God's power. We can't do it on our own strength. We need his power. I'll say it again. We need his power. Hallelujah. So, we have power over sin, yes. According to the working of his mighty power, the power that works in us is the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. With this mighty power available to us, there never needs to be a power shortage in the Christian life. If the death of Christ is a supreme demonstration of the love of God, the resurrection of Christ is the supreme demonstration of his power. The power that God caused to operate in Christ raised Christ from the dead. This same power has overcome death, the grave, and Hades, hell. God made a spectacle of the enemy in Colossians 2.15. I like the way the Amplified reads it. He had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us. He made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. Oh, my time is over and my uh, phone is saying, but we're going to carry on. We're almost there. Isaiah also says, and this is a reference to Satan, those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? And it's referring to Satan in Satan's demise. And can I also remind, um, we are Vineyard 61, Isaiah 61, and that's from Isaiah just, just, just a little reminder. Just a little reminder. Okay. I can feel the, uh, the caution as well, right? So this is for the deliverance enthusiasts. So casting out spirits, deliverance, uh, spiritual warfare is important, but it's not everything, right? And I have been in some deliverance ministries where... There's a lack of pastoral care or a lack of teaching and context. Um, I'm reminded of uh, one that I went to last year. Uh, Adora was invited and we went along and there was this apostle guy, which he was very powerful. The gifting was very strong in the prophetic, uh, in, uh, in apostleship, in deliverance. However, e even little things like there was no refreshments <laughs> after the service, it was not, and it was going on for hours. It was a Saturday. You know, people sacrificed their time. Um, there was babies there. And I'm like, even little things like that, I'm like, there's this order here. Um, and yeah, and, and even little things like where they would call out a person. So let's say Ilias. And they'll say, Ilias, call your auntie right now. 
in front of everyone. Right, I've got a word for your auntie. I mean, it's, okay, I, I get it, and it was a word of knowledge, but there's a time and place for that as well. So I've seen sometimes excess with deliverance. So that, that I think there needs to be a balance. There needs to be a balance. All right? Um, and also the scripture says, but Lord, we prophesied. We cast out demons in your name. Right? Scripture also says the gifts of God are what? Irrevocable. But what does the scripture says? Depart from me. I never what? I never knew you. So it's not just about knowing God. Does God know you? Wow. Um, I'm reminded of the sons of Sceva who went there to do their deliverance as well. And the demons were like, Paul, I know. Who are you? <laughs> so even the enemy knows if you're known of God. So it's so important that we know God and that God knows us. Wow. Okay, so I think the band can start coming up. I'm, I'm just starting to land. I'm, land. I'm landing, I'm landing. So just a summary. So, know the power of God. How? Faith in the Lord Jesus. Have faith in the Lord Jesus. Not just as Savior, but as Lord. Lord Jesus. Be enlightened. Be enlightened. Know the hope of your calling. Yeah? Um, and I just want to do one last thing before I completely hand it over. Um, if we can just pray this. In fact, let's, let's stand. We're just going to pray this. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.